0: Welcome to the Food and Drink Business Podcast, your on-the-go bite of the food and beverage industry. Welcome, folks, to the Food and Drink Business Podcast. My name's Grant McCarran, and today I'm once again joined by Kim Berry, the editor of Food and Drink Business and the host of this show. G'day, Kim. How are you doing today?
1: Hello. I am very well, Grant. And yourself?
0: Not too bad. Thank you for asking.
1: That's good. I'm quite excited about today's discussion. Do you know why? Do tell. Because it's about, uh, and look, you know, hashtag not sponsored, hashtag uh, journalistic integrity, hashtag journalistic impartiality. Uh, But we are talking with the CEO of Daryl Lee, Australia's iconic chocolate company, uh, James Ajaka. He's been at the helm of the confectioner for the last 14 months and we originally spoke in the very first week that he started and he said to me then, look, we'll, we'll catch up for a chat once I've, um, you know, once, once I've, you know, got my head around everything and I've been in the job for a while and uh, so here we are. Uh, hi,
2: James. Hey, Kim. How are you going? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. I think that was 14 months ago when you and I spoke.
1: It was 14 months ago, which, you know, I mean, that's
2: what, like seven COVID years? Yeah, something like that. (laughs) Yeah, funnily enough, it's gone quite quickly, actually.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, um, I mean, you know, food and and beverage tends to move at a bit of a pace as it is, but I can imagine that the confectionery uh, sector has really come into its own um, over these last several many fraught months. (laughs) <laughs> Tell me about, you know, how has it been? What's uh, what have been your key takeaways in that in that first in that first year?
2: Um I mean, ultimately it's been a really good experience. The thing that I've loved most is the people. Like the people in the business really really care about the brand and the products. They're very proud of the Lee story and very capable as well. And um most of what's been achieved over the last 14 months has actually been on the back of doing less, not more.
1: How so? What does that mean? Explain what that means.
2: I mean, I came into the business, you know, a quadrant brought me in. I'm very grateful for the opportunity. My more recent experience is based on me coming into businesses where there's opportunity to improve both the top line and the bottom line, improve talent in the business and ensure that the business is strong in all aspects. And sometimes that means coming into the business and doing more, activating parts that are lying idle and should be better utilised. But in this instance, it's been more about um, doing less. Um, I came into a business that was taking on numerous projects, some of them core, some of them not core, and probably with not enough resources. And what we've done over the last 14 months is be quite selective as to what we're going to take on and invest heavily in those initiatives. And it's really paid in spades. It's, you know, resulted in, I think, a team that is more relaxed, a team that um, feels like they're in more control. And we're we're investing in initiatives and in segments in the marketplace where we have every licence to win. And we've, we've tapped out and walked away from a whole bunch of other things where ultimately you don't think we belonged.
1: Is that something that you've sort of experienced before where when you've got a team that's you know kind of cooking with gas you actually uh, if you're not in that c you know that Cs mentality you can achieve so much more it it frees your your mind to a what the job at hand but then to also be able to look out and forward to possibilities but you know when you're in that that sort of seize panic mentality if the business isn't doing well or um, you don't have, you're not in a culture that feels safe.
2: Yeah, uh, look, I don't think you usually usually my observations are businesses end, end up in a position where they're taking on too much on the back of companies or businesses that have no shortage of opportunity. Right, so that's, it's like double edged. Right, on one hand you've got plenty of opportunity, on the other hand. If you take on too much, you blow the thing up.
1: and how do you find that line is that just Is that just experience?
2: It sounds very cliche, but like in most instances, I do believe less is more, and I do think there are some really mega opportunities for Daryl Lee as a business and when we sort of parked all the noise and sort of walked away from a whole bunch of projects that weren't core cool to us and really focused on those big opportunities, a lot of good came from that and so yeah, sometimes. You know, I've been involved in decisions where we've stopped work on something that we should have kept working on. Right. And I've also been the guy that's taken on projects that we shouldn't have taken on. But over time, this is my 13th year as CEO. Over time, you sort of, the numbers, the marketplace, the customers, and most importantly, the team. If you listen closely enough, they'll tell you where we should be focused. And if you stare at the numbers long enough, it tells you what the market is rewarding you for and um, what the market is not going to reward you for. And Daryl is just so, so many great opportunities, so rich in brand and heritage that I totally get why we went, the business went through a phase where it took on too much. And some of the things the business took on, we're, we're benefiting from today. Like what? So, you know, previous management took on the chocolate block segment
1: yeah. So that started in 2019. Did the chocolate blocks start then?
2: 2019. Invested, you know, tens of millions of dollars into kit, took a big risk, invested in recipes and brand positioning. And, you know, that was a brave move. And, you know, we benefit from that today. That wasn't my decision. That was someone before me, guy by the name of Tim York. And, um, You know, I congratulate them for making that decision. And today we exist in that segment and it's a a good part of our business. The team before me decided to go into palm oil free. A whole bunch of executives that I work with today were part of that decision. But there's a whole bunch of people who are part of that decision that are no longer in the business. I didn't make that decision. They did. And we benefit from that today. And, you know, you can't lose sight of that.
1: It's an interesting balance, isn't it? And I think particularly for a company like Daryl Lee, where you have, you have that heritage, and even if it's just relatively recent in terms of um, the team you know, before you that bought in the blocks and did the palm oil, or you know, the heritage going back you know, to the original Rockley, Rockley Road recipe you know, in the 1930s, it's an interesting space to live in when you've got that rich heritage behind you, when you're then looking ahead.
2: That's right. And I think if you look at it through the right lens and you have the right team around you, both from a creative perspective and internally, you can unlock a lot, a lot of power and, and value there. But there's also, like I said, and we won't dwell on it, there's also opportunity to sort of apply to too many things. And, um want to capitalize, it, capitalize on it in too many ways. But yeah, like I said, it's been a privilege to be involved with this business. As a kid, my mother would walk, my sister Rose and me and my two brothers, Joey and George, passed a Daryl Lee shop. Most times, you know, we weren't allowed to go in. And so today to be responsible for leading the business um, and I'm grateful for the opportunity, it's, it's a real honour. And um, I haven't always experienced this. When I come into businesses, usually the, the business has lots of challenges and mostly it's around um, talent within the business and how talent are managing the business. But in this instance, I've got to say to you, the people very capable, very caring. And, you know, the, the, the big insight has been do less, not more, and really invest in those initiatives that we're focused on.
1: Yeah. And what are some of those initiatives, if, you, if there are some that you can, you know, share and go into?
2: Yeah, of course. We play in a number of segments, but we break it down. We're, in, we're, we're the biggest black licorice player in the USA. We're the biggest black licorice player in New Zealand. And um, we're, the, we're the biggest licorice player in Australia. And um, I think over the next six months, you'll see us heavily invest in that segment and really bring that category to life because we're 85 to 90% share in Australia. We're 90% plus in New Zealand. Um, and so the category relies on us in, in constantly focusing on how we can grow that category. We're also one of the top players in bites, bites and balls in Australia. Through our bullets and our BBs, what a what a what a category! Bites and balls, <laughs> bites you know. and
1: balls. I mean, come on! <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I'm the line manager. Yeah. For bites and balls. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, between all sorts and bullets and um, the BB range we have, just so much, so much innovation for us to, to realize in those segments. So for a long time. The only flavours we had in licorice were raspberry and black licorice. We're in the midst of exploring what other flavours we can roll out in that space. And then enrobed in, in chocolate and not just milk chocolate, but dark chocolate and white chocolate. And not just in bullets, but also in balls. Um, and for different occasions and, and uh, for different consumers. And then we've got all sorts. You know, for, for 90 years, Darrell has been making all sorts. And for nine years, every single all-sort has tasted identical to the other all-sort, regardless of the colour. So exploring all sorts in different flavours, whether it be sweet or sour, is another big opportunity for us. And then you look at our gifting segment, We Make Rockley Road. We're the biggest in Australia in that space. And we're now making it in formats which are easy for us to manufacture, easy for the consumer to use and share. And then, of course, we've got um, the blocks category. And what we've learned over the last 12 months is consumers are really excited about our blocks business as long as we stick to territories that Darryl famous for. And we haven't even touched the surface. So our Rockley Road blocks, our Licorice blocks do incredibly well. We deviate away from that and um, we we take on flavours where we don't have much heritage, we don't do as well. And so we've now got three years' worth of pipeline with incredible, incredible flavors. I mean, the next one off the rank, which launches in two weeks, is our white white block with raspberry bullets running through it. Mm-hmm. I mean, hello, down a fairway <laughs> for us straight down the heart of Darlie territory, and I think it'll be our best-selling product.
1: Is that that's your first white chocolate block, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So it's a big deal for us, and. You know, we've bought a big research component to all we're doing now and we're, we're, we're sort of drawing a line between connecting what consumers expect from us, what our factories are great at doing and what makes a lot of sense for the Darryl brand to do. And we're finding a lot, a lot of rich territory for us to realise over the next few years.
1: Oh, it's just, it's so exciting, isn't it? What's your favourite product?
2: Um... I mean, I'm, I'm one of those heavy black licorice consumers. Yes. <laughs> and it, it's, it's my go-to. And sometimes it's batch 37. and other times it's, um, you know, the, the, the dark chocolate bullets. But more and more I'm sort of acquainting myself and reaching more and more for the white raspberry bullets and the blocks as well.
1: Uh, yeah, I must say, I'm a bit of an um, old school, you know, black licorice or no licorice sort of person. I, and so I'm going to, have to, I'm going to have to branch out, aren't I, and, and head into the uh, raspberry
2: licorice territory. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think you'll be um, very pleased.
1: Um, Grant, what's your favourite?
0: Well, I'm possibly not the right person to ask. Um, I'm not a big fan of, of aniseed, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, no, uh, like
1: in Daryl Lee, so there's plenty of other like, you know... Options. Yeah,
0: I know, but you were just so engrossed with licorice at the time. <laughs> I'm like, oh, <"Uh-oh." laughs> no, um, I, I honestly can't say that I have a specific favorite, but uh, I do love uh, most chocolate confectionery that I can get my hands on. Um, I, which is one of the reasons why I don't really go out and eat a lot of it because I know that you'd be seeing a heck of a lot more of me if I did.
1: <laughs> um, I remember one of um, my, James, one of my first memories was we used to uh, go into the Daryl Lee shop when I was little at Easter and get the nougat Easter egg. And that was um, that was the, the, the introduction to Daryl Lee for me for a very young age. And then mum would Cut, like slice it into like almost like you know like wafer thin slices to uh, <laughs> which was you know that part I didn't enjoy so much but the actual <laughs> the actual memory of it was fantastic. Um, so how many people are in the how many employees does the business have?
2: We have about five hundred across our New Zealand business, our Melbourne factory, our Sydney factory. And our American team as well. Well, I think we're, I I can't think of another Australian food company that actually has full time employees based in the US.
1: Mm. Yeah, where are they in the US?
2: They're all over. All right. Yeah, so we've got, um, in total, we've got 14 staff there across um, different regions. And Mm -hmm. our licorice is found far and wide from New York to California even in various parts of Canada.
1: I can't tell you, there's such a little badge of national pride, isn't it? That like we're a big licorice player in the US. Like it's kind of like, ha, take
2: that. Yeah, it's, it, like there's so much to be proud of when it comes to this business. And that's why I say I feel privileged. It's 94 years old. I've been in the business for 14 months. So, you know, I, I'm, I, I, I'm, in a, I'm in a lucky position where I've got great partners in Quadrant who are who are prepared to invest in the business. And we're, we're really investing in key capability that's going to unlock a lot of value for this business.
1: Yeah. How, uh, what's the impact of COVID been like for Daryl Lee? Has, it, has there been an impact or has it been um, a bit more sort of business as usual?
2: No. So, I think in March last year when COVID first hit in 2020, there was a bump in the category. I think as people all of a sudden found themselves at home and wearing out that sort of Patch of carpet between <laughs> the TV room and the pantry.
1: <laughs> um, I don't know anything yeah. about that.
2: <laughs> Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this time around, it's been more measured. The category's still in growth, but I don't think because we've. I don't think at, at yet we've seen a COVID impact, and I don't know if it's because um, this time around people are just a bit more sort of measured around it, and they're they're, they're living they're sort of got used to living like this, but. The, the category, even pre-COVID, w- w- is in good growth. And the really major players in the segment, whether it be Mondelez or Mars, um, you know, they deserve a lot of credit because their innovation has been very, very strong. And I think they're doing a good job introducing new consumers to the segment. And, and so we're, we're playing a role in all of that as well.
1: So what, I mean, can you give us a picture about the the, the segment overall? Like, obviously... It's competitive, but is sort of consumer loyalty quite worn, you know, like quite driven into different products and different brands or, you know, are consumers in this sort of market, you know, much more, you know, willing to try new and different things and go outside of particular brands or companies?
2: Look, I think, um, I mean, when I was running Allied Pinnacle, the one thing that was really clear in that business was the rise and rise of snacking. We were Australia's biggest manufacturer of donuts, croissants, cookies for baking, muffins, sourdough, et cetera. And I think confectionery has benefited from that. And so I do think people have a favorite, which they fully purchase regularly. But I think in the same trolley, they're purchasing new products that they've discovered and want to have every now and then. And I think ultimately, the consumer in the confectionery space is quite adventurous. They do like seeing new things. And they do like trying new things. And if those new products meet their expectation, they're rewarded by that. The consumer keeps purchasing it. This is, this is a segment where if you do a good job and you deliver a good product and you get it in people's hands, the word of mouth does the rest. And um, the product does hang around for a long time. At the same time, and every, every scales, food business in Australia launches products that don't meet expectations from time to time. And their, their their experience is pretty short lived.
1: Uh, just so, uh, so people also for um, people listening, Allied Pinnacle is the largest bakery supplier to Coles and Woolworths in the country. So it's a it's a massive enterprise, you know, and a, a playing a big role within Australia's sort of food and beverage marketplace. So obviously, the white block with the raspberry bullets is is the next sort of um, exciting product to be heading our way. Uh, what else can we anticipate?
2: From a chocolate perspective, we're, we're going to start venturing into more products outside of straight milk chocolate. So dark is a, is, a, is a segment on the rise and white at the same time, and that's probably for an older audience where white is a segment that the younger audience are really um, being drawn to. And we're just, not, we're, just, we're just not playing enough in that space. So that's an area across all our segments we'll be looking at. Bites, bullets, balls, blocks. We're focused on those territories. I think the, uh, the next piece of really big news for us, and again, just a privilege to be a part of it, is we own the Lifesavers brand. Yes, you do. <laughs> and the total Lifesavers business right now is four products. It's a musk in a roll, yes. fruit tingles in a roll, fruit pastilles in a roll, and black currant in a roll. Which
1: are a gateway food for me.
2: (laughs) Sorry. All right. Okay. There you go. Yeah, that's good. Good to know. But over the next um, six to 12 months, we are going to dramatically expand that part of our business. We're investing heavily in our capability, and we've got some formats that don't exist in Australia at this stage. And so, at the same time, when next year Lifesavers turns 100 years old, we're going to celebrate that by taking it and applying it to a whole series of products that are perfect for the Lifesavers brand, perfect for the Lifesavers consumer. And I think when you consider how iconic this brand is, it's about time we paid it some attention.
1: Yeah, that is that's really exciting.
2: Yeah, that's big news for us. I mean, we haven't shared that with anyone yet. So hopefully, when you do see it in the marketplace. Um, it meets it meets her expectations.
1: Tell me about how did you end up in this space? How did you end up in food and beverage?
2: Um, just by luck, to be honest. Right. I, I never. I was never great at school. I went to TAFE after school and then after TAFE I went to university. I went to the Australian Catholic University in North Sydney and did a bunch of business. I think I was one of two Catholics there. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> – I worked with a couple of guys called Mark and David in a, in a small boutique sort of marketing agency and um, through them um, I got to work with a different firm on a whole series of um, initiatives with the Boxer Kostya Zoo uh-huh. at the heart of this year, and then through that I got to meet Tim Pethick, the founder of Nudie. Um, he joined forces with… Andrew Bonetta and David Gordon. And um, they asked me to be employee number one. I got um, options in the business. I was the head of sales and marketing for six years. So I watched that business go from almost, you know, very, very little sales. Yeah. And then in 2009, I became the CEO of that business. By that stage, I'd also finished an MBA. I'd met Kathy. I had two daughters by that stage. And then, you know, I ran Nudie for six years. I was very lucky that Andrew Bonetta and his family taught me a lot about manufacturing, and really heavily invested in me. And Tim Pethick, I learned a lot from him from a marketing perspective. And then we successfully sold Duty. We did very well out of that. And I got approached by Pacific Equity Partners. Rickard Gardell said, "Hey, do you want to invest with us and run Pinnacle Bakery for us?" And you know, the rest is history. I did that for two years. We then bought Allied Mills. And we turned the business into a company called Allied Pinnacle. Pinnacle. Yeah. Uh, almost a billion dollar turnover, 50% flour, 50% Gosh. frozen bakery. <laughs> I mean, crazy journey, Kim. I mean From I when you would've... started
1: at Nudie and you know, there was what, two desks and a truck, you
2: know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Very, very blessed journey, very lucky. A lot of really remarkable people heavily invested in me. And, you know, so far, so good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's always interesting. It, when I talk to CEOs, because uh, the common thread through all of you is um, is that there was someone or some people who really were or you know were your mentor, but almost like your uh, like your cheer squad as well, you know who shared information and and really sort of supported you on that sort of trajectory.
2: yeah, the, the, I have definitely experienced that and I think if you take if you if you're serious about not letting people down and you're serious about grabbing opportunities with both hands when people believe in you so much and give you those opportunities you just don't want to let them down for me that's been a big motivation but also I'm a people person and I think I'm a much better CEO today than I was 13 years ago and what I've realized along the way is you know when you have good people who really care about the business and they're capable, then just embracing them as much as possible, supporting them as much as possible in the same way I was supported. And sometimes it's tough love, but everyone knows where they stand. But just giving them the support and believing in them in the same way that people believed in me has been a big learning for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great place to put a line under it. Don't you think? Is that... (laughs) I mean, I think that's a, it's, it's been like a whip it quick conversation about a, a dynamic, fast moving company and th- your learnings along the way. And, um, you know, your knowledge sharing is generous and thoughtful. So thank
0: you so
2: much. Thanks so much, Kim. Appreciate
0: it. Well, thanks, James. Thanks, Kim. That's been a great discussion and I am now totally salivating for chocolate. So well done. (laughs) Um, May have to go and get some of that dark chocolate. Good to hear.
1: Uh, (laughs) Don't worry. I have a a packet of the uh, orange balls on my desk. So I'm good to go.
0: (laughs) I am so not surprised. (laughs) But folks, we'll be back in the not too distant future with another informative and chocolate-filled episode. But until then, have a great day. You've been listening to the Food and Drink Business podcast, produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Food and Drink Business, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Food and Drink Business, Yaffa Media or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast's audio, please contact us via our website or send an email to editor at foodanddrinkbusiness.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's food and beverage industry at foodanddrinkbusiness.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.